What was it? The noise and the lights? A meteor or maybe an aircraft off its course. Those would be the rational explanations. Give me an irrational one. Maybe something from outer space. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about Come Wander With Me. Um, and uh, just I hope that if you did go wandering that just come back. Like you can just go back to your car and leave. Like you don't have to stick stick around with those Rayford brothers. Yes. They, d- don't talk to Billy. Yeah, just, or, just, just, just walk away. Just go to Norfolk. You know, let's just, you got to go to Norfolk sometimes. I heard you were going to take her to Norfolk. <laughs> It's like you just it's like like Forrest Gump had a cousin that talked even dumber than he did, right? Like just yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that's come wonder with me. Here we are now. Here we are. Uh, season 5, episode 35, uh The Fear. Um air date is May 29th, 1964. Number 1 song, My Guy by Mary Wells. Great song. Yeah, it is a great song. And this not Beatles, right? So there we go. That's uh that's great. Uh number 1 film from Russia with Love, the second Bond film. Um, so we've talked about that before about them premiering and becoming a big deal. And this is one I've not seen. It's Connery. I know I should, I should see it. Not, it's not the second. Yeah, it is a second Bond film. I think anyway. Yeah. We, we talked about the first one a while ago, uh, for day and date. I have something from the day before on May 28th. Um, AS 101, the six Saturn, uh, one rocket launch made the first successful placement of the prototype of the Apollo command service module into earth's orbit and confirmed the structural integrity of the design for the vehicle that would take astronauts to the moon, uh, following the launch at 1201 PM from Cape Kennedy, uh, the stage and payload would reenter earth's atmosphere over the Pacific ocean on June 2nd. So even here at 64, they were already testing the thing. Clearly it was a, a long project to get people to the moon. And this was actually the model that worked that would become the lunar lander where the, sorry, the command module that would drop the lander space so, shit, man, space stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there cool. You go. Yeah. Uh, I do have something here. Okay. Um, May 31st, the Sunday, uh, the longest game in major league baseball history up to uh, that time ended at Shea Stadium in New York at 11.24 p.m., seven hours and 23 <laughs> minutes after the game had started. Now, this was part of a double header, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it was between the, the San Francisco Giants and the New York Mets. 23 innings. Wow. Uh, and that's part of a double header. Yeah. Like, so you yeah. could have had tickets for both games and been there all day. Day. Yeah, I mean, I've gone to a doubleheader at a ballpark, and it takes a while, right? But like, that's, yeah, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've never been. I, unfortunately, I've never been to a doubleheader. I've, you know, all the years I've been going to games, and that I've, I haven't been fortunate enough. And I, I feel like that'd be kick ass. But 
man, I don't know if I could last that long. <laughs> no, no, that's, um, oh, that, that is something I, um, yeah, like with, with the double header though, it's like, you, you expect that then to be, you know, what, like 18 total innings, you know, like you hope that you're like, nah, I don't know if I need extra innings. So yeah. And then that being part of a double header already, like, who are you bringing out? Like, cause even then, you know, um, uh, baseball, like professional athletes were, you know, um, like just keep them out there. It's fine. Like, we don't need them again. <laughs> you know, like guys would like pitch like 2000 pitches or whatever. It's fine. You know, I think they were just literally just throwing anybody out there. Just like, just, just throw it down, lob it. Like, I mean, like, have you ever seen like, um, like there's playoff football, whatever you get to like, um, overtime because it doesn't end until somebody scores right for play. Like right. You'll just see the lineman where after the snap, just kind of get up and just be like, huh? And just kind of like shove it. Like they won't even have much lift anymore after playing hard. Uh, the same thing with like hockey, watching playoff hockey after a while, you can tell like it just becomes moments of like of activity. And then the rest of the time, everyone's just like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, <laughs> yeah. As they're like, just kill me. Yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen hockey games go into like, uh, like three or four overtime. So it's basically becomes two hockey games, like playoff wise. And with the intensity then, because anytime somebody scores, the game's over. So imagine trying to keep that intensity for like that long. And with baseball, though, I'm sure they're just like, okay, it's free T-shirt day. Oh, by the way, you're on the team now. Like, you know, <laughs> you've been drafted. Yeah, get in yeah. there and uh, hit the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they were. Uh, everybody there was over in the park for over ten hours if they participated in both games. <sighs> yeah, I, not me. I'd be nope. I'm good. Uh, that's that's too much. All right. Uh, so yeah, that, that's your, that's your day and date. Um, let's get into cast and crew here for the fear. All right. So our director on this is, uh, Mr. Ted post. Uh, we've talked about him in the past. Uh, he, because he has been part of four episodes, uh, up to this point. So, uh, this is the last of four episodes. I'm sorry. Um, the, the more recent discussion that we had was Mr. Garrity in the grave. So, Yep, and uh, we've I talked at length. Um, he also directed uh, the wonderful film, The Baby. Got, the Baby. He's got to mention it one more time right before like we're almost out the door. Got to mention the baby. Yeah. So. so thank you for your service, Mr. Ted Post. Um, yeah, we'll get into the rest of the uh, what we feel about what you did for this episode in a moment. <laughs> um, but uh, so our writer on this episode coming back for the last time, Mr. Rod Serling. Yeah, this is um, the, the last actual script of his for the series. I um, I crunched the numbers, Terry, here, just to let you know. 156 episodes, right? He wrote 92 of the scripts. like, And so that accounts for 59% of the output of the series. Um, man, I, you know, huh, this one. But we'll, we'll get to it. It's just yeah, like, I was like, oh, great. Well, at least we get like one one last Serling script, right? And I, now, now in hindsight, I've been like, I, you know what? Maybe maybe we didn't need this one. <laughs> yeah. It's a very bittersweet situation here. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, into our cast we go. Uh, Peter Mark Richard. Uh, he plays Trooper Robert Franklin. Uh, he did the voice for the Phantom on the Defenders of the Earth for a, a bunch of episodes. Now, th- this was like um, the Avengers of like weird comic book characters from back in day. You remember the Phantom, right? Yeah, you know, you're Billy talking, Zane. Are you talking like uh Charlton Comics? Is that what you're talking about? Like yeah, I think, yeah, and so there was like all their all their little uh characters. They combined efforts together. There was like four major characters mm-hmm. that they brought together and they they fought like a, a I don't know. Like I've never seen this before. I want I want to f- search this out now. Well, it's it's funny. So with that, if I remember right, and again, this is this is strange highway, so I probably do not. Uh, that uh, Alan Moore actually um, 
pitch to DC that he wanted to do um, Watchmen, but using the Charlton characters because they had gotten the rights to them. And then they're like, no, you can't do that. So he's like, fine, I'll just make up my own. They're basically your guys' characters, you know? So he was, I mean, you would have had a weird, a weird take on the Phantom, you know? And cause it would, like, he would have taken those like um, silver age characters and turn them into the, you know, what, what Watchmen is. Yeah. So like we had like Flash Gordon was a part of this and everything. Like it looks pretty sweet. I mean, very, uh, very dated, but it looks pretty sweet. I think it was Troll. I think that, I think that was either way, there was older characters that he wanted to use, but yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Very eighties. Right. So I'm going to have to find this, uh, later on, but, nice. uh, I'll give you my notes. Um, so, uh, otherwise he did uh, a bunch of dynasty and, the thing I was most familiar yep. was... I know you're going to mention this. Friday yeah. the 13th, Jason takes Manhasse, Manhattan. Yeah. So I was like, dude, I know this dude's eyes. They look very familiar. And they very, are, judgy. And very, yeah, you know, very judgy. Yeah, very yeah. judgy. Yeah. Yeah. He's the he's the father figure uh, in, yeah, in like that movie. Yeah, he's like teacher, principal, whatever. Yeah. I, I just recently watched, uh, you know, part eight, like, like past year. Uh, and it's like, I remember having a lot more fun with that as a kid. And then watching it now, and I'm like... Wow, this is this is not a good movie. And also, what kind of senior trip gets to get on a boat? Like, I just none of that makes sense to me. It's like, you know. Also, I like how the the boat, the tiny boat in Crystal Lake, somehow wanders out to like an ocean port or something. I was like, where? What's the geography of of Camp Crystal Lake versus everything else? I didn't understand that either. But there's some amazing kills in it, and yeah, uh, I mean, you know, Kane Hodder like being a badass in it. But um, unfortunately, we just lost uh, Mr. Richard uh, back in January. So uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for your service, sir. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you were you were in this episode. So thank you for that, too. Yeah. So I have something else for him, too, is real, real quick. Um, so, yeah, for for uh, for Mr. Mr. Richmond, before his acting career, he started off his career as a pharmacist. My, he said, my father died when I was 16, and my brother was kind of a surrogate father. Richmond, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, well, whatever. I'm an idiot. And, um, he was a pharmacist, and I worked at his store as a teenager. He thought I should get a real education, so I ended up reluctantly going to pharmacy school. I expected to flunk out after six weeks, but stuck it out, graduated, and became a licensed pharmacist in two states. Hey, there you go. He had a nice fallback career, just in case. Yeah. So. Cool. Uh, I mean, I wish I had that kind but of fallback. His, his voice, though, you're talking about him voicing like the Phantom. I can see that. Like, yeah. he has a good, he has a cool voice. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and next here, and our last credit, uh, Mrs. Hazel Court. Uh, she plays Charlotte Scott in this episode. Uh, did a lot of Hammer films. So mm-hmm. she was in The Raven, uh, The Mask of the Red Death, and The Curse of Frankenstein. That's where I knew her from. This is a, a awesome uh, Peter Cushing. Um, uh, and uh, who else is in this? Uh, you know, some other famous people, <laughs> famous, famous dead people. But I uh, uh, love her. She looks she's gorgeous. in yes. this too. Um, but she she had a big career in horror and that. Um, and we actually lost her not that long ago too, about eight years ago. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if you had any uh, extra notes for her. I do. And I forgot to mention for uh, Mr. Richmond previously, two episodes of Outer Limits for him. Playoffs 90, two episodes Alfred Hitchcock presents. So. There's those connections with Hazel Court. I have four episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Um, you mentioned Curse Frankenstein. Uh, one Playhouse 90, uh, a movie from 52 called Ghost Ship. Like that. I know that's a big one. Yeah, yeah I, I still need to get around um, to it. And uh, Pete, uh, I'm sorry, I needed to get back to this because I felt like I was failing myself. Christopher Lee plays the creature. Oh, and, okay. um Curse of Frankenstein. And Sorry about that. She was in a, she was in one episode of a series called Ghost Squad that sounds way cooler than it probably is. All right, cool. <laughs> so, but yeah, she was a lot of Hammer Horror, which is something that's a blind spot for me. But 
That's cool. And like, she definitely had a look for it too. Mm-hmm. Like this is the kind of like women that they were casting for those films. Um, but yeah, so that's that's our entire cast. Two people. Yeah, that's it. Um, so let let Mr. Sterling uh, take it away. The major ingredient of any recipe for fear is the unknown. And here are two characters about to partake of the meal. Miss Charlotte Scott, a fashion editor, and Mr. Robert Franklin, a state trooper. And the third member of the party, the unknown, that has just landed a few hundred yards away. This person or thing is soon to be met. This is a mountain cabin, but it is also a clearing in the shadows known as the Twilight Zone. Yeah, so um, I just got to say this right at the jump for this episode. I have never been so um, like set up for like, this is getting really good. And then you hit the halfway point and you're like, where did we go? Like, I cannot, this is a tale of two halves. Like I it was, this is the first part of this is actually really, really interesting. And uh, yeah, anyway, we'll talk about the uh, the other half in a minute, but I just, this is, this is going to be a frustrating experience to talk about. Let's put it that way. So Terry, where do we start? All right. So um, we get a, a cop car uh, going into the woods and it rides up to a cabin where, um, we see uh, Trooper Franklin get out of the car and he goes up to the door and is greeted by Charlotte. And he wants to ask her about something that she had spoken about in the town more recently. Apparently she was in town picking up supplies and that. And she had talked about some some lights that she had seen in the sky and that. And he wanted to investigate that a little bit more. And she is a little bit more reclusive. People don't get to see her too often and that don't know that much about her. Uh, About the only thing that they know is that she's Mrs. Fancy Pants that lives over in this cabin in the woods. Um, And we come to find out through discussion here that she uh, used to be a a fashion editor Mm -hmm. for a magazine. And she came up to this cabin to get away from people. That doesn't seem to work out too well for Charlotte. Yeah, she she said she she admits having a breakdown, right? Like, um, so as is like whatever that lumped in uh, condition that everybody in the '60s had, where it's like I had a meltdown or a breakdown, so she got away. Um, this is it, this is so chunky dialogue between her and the trooper that Sterling is just yeah. He again, um, I love his dialogue. Um, I don't know if I needed this much of it, but he like he. He writes things that I don't think regular people would ever say, but they're still fun to hear. Like he, um, she talks about basically she doesn't like anybody in the town. She, you get the idea that she is, you know, hoity-toity and everybody's a bumpkin or whatever. And she refers to the grocery guy as the pickle barrel wheeler dealer, which is like that. That sounds like the worst like um, pull shark name ever. Like you're like watch out everybody, uh, the pickle barrel uh, wheeler dealers in town. You know <laughs> whatever, uh, but. Um, but you can see that like, um, the trooper, he, uh, he's kind of like, he's, you know, he, he gets, a, he, she's abrasive. He kind of gets it and he's about, you know, he kind of calls her out on it a little bit too. So, um, but yeah, she's like, yeah, I mentioned the lights. She's like, I was just trying to liven things up. It's like, she's admitting that she was trying to have some human contact, but oh no, you can't, you can't possibly want to talk to the locals. That's the vibe I got from her. And, and even being around these people, it it, do, it doesn't do anything for her because after the fact she just goes ahead and insults the hell out of him. So these are his people. He he he's from this town. He works this town. So hearing all these insults and that, um, he's he's about to walk out the door and he's like, you know what? 
um, you know, he says he, he lays into her. He's like, well, we don't like you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's there's a, again, like you were saying, a lot of heavy dialogue here, a lot of uh, Serling type dialogue that you would know was his uh, from the get. And I, I just, you know, it, it, I can imagine why. Robert wants to get the hell out of there too. Like, all right, it's the, things seem cool up here. I don't really give a shit about what she has to say about these lights now. And as he opens up, uh, he's opening up the door. All of a sudden, we see these crazy lights, and they're flashing. And it's, hear- it's a pretty interesting moment of like, it's just this loud and just bright, and it's very sudden. So it is alarming. Like it's it's a good setup so far. Like some sound is coming oh, with this as well. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Um, I almost started the episode off with that sound, but I'm like, I, I don't hate Terry and our listeners that much. Um, I, I've, I've pulled that kind of shenanigans before, but no, that, not this time. But yeah, it's, it was really, it just, it got you, it got you ready because then she wasn't lying about this. And, uh, and then now the officer, he's there, the trooper is like, he knows something, like this is legitimate. Now, now they have to try to figure out what's going on. Right. And without going back into what they were saying about dialogue and that, um, He's trying to speak as rational as possible, but we know that there is a possible irrational reasoning for this. So after Rod's intro, uh, Rod go, uh, Robert goes outside to take a look around, and he sees some down tree branches and that, and then he looks over at his, or he's over by his car. He's about, I don't know, 20 yards from his car, and all of a sudden, the car starts to roll downhill <laughs> towards him. I- it's the slowest moving car ever. Uh, it just, but it's like, did you notice how like he's like, oh, I gotta see what's going on, and it, so the car's moving, but it's like it's just drifting. It isn't like it's, it's not building up speed. It's just drifting, and then he comes in the frame, and the car is flipped on its side. Like how how did that happen? <laughs> like at that speed too. Like. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. There's no possible way. Yeah, I I, um, I may or may not have made a gif. Uh, I had to cut. I had to cut out some of it, but it's basically him looking at the car, him seeing the car move, and him walking under the scene, and the car flipped. Like it's so dumb. Like it is so dumb. All right. So, and he 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 reaches up into the car and he wants to get uh, get to the radio, and he finds out too that the radio is dead. So he goes back over to the cabin, and he talks to uh, Charlotte about what just transpired, and then. She's scared. There, there's some fear that she's uh, feeling right now and that. And he's like, you know what? Calm down. Whatever. Um, he said some more well, heavy-handed he, dialogue. Basically, we find out that she is, she's like, you pegged me wrong. Like, I'm a member of the Scared People Club, you know. And so her her defense mechanism is more because she, since she had a breakdown, she is very much afraid of everything. Very on edge. And then he was like, well, you know, he identifies like, listen, I was in two wars. Fear can be can be useful. It's how you react to it. So that's where we get like the big push of this. Right. So um, like decent, decent enough character work that we find out that she has a little bit more layer to her as opposed to just being you know, uh, just an angry, snobby lady. Right. Right. And then and it's at this point um, he wants to check the phone. So he wants to call into, you know, the, the station and let them know what what just happened. And the phone is dead as well. And he tells Charlotte, like, hey, make a cup of coffee. 
we're going to wait this out a little bit and then see what happens here. <laughs> did, did you like the privacy lock on the cabin? Like, that's actually going to do anything. Like, it was that little slide chain that was like, make sure you lock the door behind me. I'm like, what, so room service can't get in here? Like, it, <laughs> it just it was not a very strong lock. And then there's that big picture window to the right of the door. It's like, if something's coming for us, it will not take much. We were, like, just, <laughs> we were just talking about Friday the 13th for a second. There's some of the most memorable scenes is when they do the chain lock thing. And then there's those giant windows where a body gets thrown through Yeah. Like, like I was like, I don't think you're, I don't think you're set, setting yourself up. Like it's that false sense of security. Sure. The privacy chain. Great. Uh, if whatever's coming from another world is trying to like, you know, sell you steak knives, you can at least keep the door, you know, like go away, sir. We're good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No fluffing the pillow. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the, he, they go ahead and they're going to have some coffee, but then all of a sudden they hear something on the roof. And, you know, this freaks her out even more. Charlotte is, like, really freaking now. Robert goes outside to check it out. Yeah, there's a nice little tracking shot of him going outside. Investigating, out, yeah. Grabbing the ladder and then about to, like, walk on top of the roof. Like, that That was all kind of one take until it cut to him on top of the roof. So that actually wasn't bad. And this is, yeah. this is at the point where I'm actually starting to feel a little dread. Like, all right, what is out there, dude? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Or we're going to see a creature... What is it? Is it going to be lurking in the shadows? Because there's a lot of darkness out there. I mean, it's nighttime. It's the woods. What's out there? What can exist out there? I mean, I've seen a lot of horror films. Um, so it's this Rayford Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we heard you talking sweet to that that fashion lady. You need to get on out of here. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Robert goes up onto the roof. He's able to access the roof. He sees there's nothing up there. Yeah. I wish there was like six frisbees or something like <laughs> <laughs> yeah ba- ba- baseballs uh soccer balls all that stuff just like sitting on a roof yeah um but we don't we don't, there's nothing up there so Robert comes down and he goes over to his car and guess what's going on with the car now the car is flipped back yeah. over onto its wheels and these gigantic, I wish I could show you people. You have to, we're going to show, share I, some I will, pictures I will on have it. some images of it because it's, it's ridiculous. Please, if you had a chance, watch this episode because this is so ridiculous now. There are four or five gigantic fingerprints. And I'm t- when I say gigantic, there are probably about 12 inches by 12 well, inches. Like, imagine if you've, you know, like police vehicles with the star on the side, like how big that decal is. These are the same size. Like right. it is, they're the monstrously large fingerprints. Um, Strategically placed yeah. on the sides of the car. Yeah. Whatever. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> this is where I was tuned out. I, I hate oh, to say it, but I, I lost interest immediately at this point. Like, I was like, this is stupid now. Yeah. Yeah. So, like. Um, Poor he, planning at the very best. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, like, the first half, right, with, like, just because. It actually, you know, you sometimes when you get like these really small casts, right? And you, it's you, you, it's you have this cabin. You could have kept the whole thing central in there and still made it really interesting because the whole the whole idea is that you know we're believing that the whole base of this episode is that you know fear, right? There's like, something to be afraid, afraid of, of outside. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, so evil it, dead, or or like like you know, like uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, or whatever. And it's like this notion of the psychology of being afraid is more what we're supposed to. I think I think that's what Rod was aiming for, but then which you, you still kind of get there, but in like in the 
the dumbest way possible. Like yeah. I just, oh man, I'm the isolation I, tale. I was really getting like involved with. Yeah, but then there was just too much show here, and I was like, this seems a little ridiculous now. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but the fingerprints, if we're going to, if we're going to do a, a twist rating like that and the thing that comes next, I did, had no, no idea I was going to see an episode with these, uh, visuals in them. I'll give that, <laughs> I'll give that a 37. I don't even know how to like out of five. <laughs> the scale just changed. Yeah. Cause I just, I just watched it like after we, we talked about come water with me, I ended up watching it like the, the next night or something. And I'm just like, what? Like, is this, is this where we're at now? <laughs> like it was just. Yeah. Well, anyway, continue, please. Ugh. So Robert goes back to the cabin again, tells Charlotte, hey, this is what I just saw in the car. And he's thinking, whatever put those fingerprints on that car has got to be better than 500 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Like this thing is out there yeah. and it doesn't matter where we go because it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to track us down. It's going to find us quicker than we can run from it. And that's that's scary. Like. Him yeah. coming back with that, with that, with those lines. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm back in place for a second now. Like this could be cool. I mean, tack a fifty foot woman, but now five hundred feet. I mean, this is Godzilla. Yeah, it's, it's Godzilla with very, very um, noticeable human fingerprints. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So the, the next morning, because they 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 stay in that night, uh, is that he is he wakes up on the couch in his full trooper gear, which I get. She walks out of the bedroom in the same clothes that she had on. Like, I'm like, did she just go to bed her clothes? I mean, I get if you're like, oh, I got a stranger in the house, maybe. But I was like, that's a weird choice. You know, whatever. I think I think that also is a product of the uh, 60s television where they're like, no hanky panky here. No possibility of it. They they slept in the same clothes. I don't I, maybe yeah, I don't perhaps know. maybe it was also being like. Let's not change their clothes, whatever. It's like all fear. Co- We've spent all the money on fingerprints. People. And they just drank coffee at night. Probably just the fear alone kept them up. They just didn't even want <laughs> that, to change. I guess that's fair. It just felt odd to me that she comes out. She's just brushing her hair. It's like, oh, so you you, you kind of got a bedhead, but your clothes are still on. I just, it was, but also with the trooper, it's like, dude, like, wouldn't you have been sweating the entire night wearing like that leather jacket trying to sleep on a couch? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. I would have been sweating anyways because of like those little sounds and everything. I would have yeah. been freaking out. But either way, they didn't hear anything through the night. They both agreed to that. So they're like, all right, let's check this out. Let's go outside. Yeah, let's read the morning, is right. what said, which I thought was a cool line. So they go outside. And as they're looking around the cabin, probably I would say like 75 feet or so. It's like it's closer to the car area, it seems like. They find a gigantic footprint. I mean, this thing's probably about 12 foot long. It's uh, deep into the ground. Very, uh, uh, it, it invokes like King Kong, something like that. Yeah, but it's like a boot print. Like, it's yeah. not, you, it's just like, oh, okay. It's like some steel toe boots came through here. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Some Paul Bunyan shit is what we right. got, right? Yeah. So, um, Charlotte freaks out. She's, she wants to run. Yeah, yeah. she's, she's. I'm out of here. So she starts taking off or whatever. And she runs far enough away from Robert that he can't catch up with her. And then she stumbles. And as she is starting to get up, she turns to her side and there's a big clearing now there. This yeah. is like uh like a, a, like a plains area right now. Uh, very little tree coverage in that. And there's this gigantic figure in a, a space suit. With one big eye, it looks like it looks like a big spacesuit with a helmet, but 
but we see one gigantic eye on it as yeah, well. Yeah, it looks like it's wearing a mad ball like, yeah. on its head. Like it's just it is um it's about as 50 sci-fi bullshit as you can get, aside from it would have been better if it was the robot monster, like the gorilla suit with the TV. Uh, yeah, with, very like, the, Roger the Corman. helmet. Yeah, yeah, very Roger Cormega, Corman-esque. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't work on this series, honestly, at this point. Um, so she's freaking out, and all of a sudden, Robert comes over, and he's like, whoa, what's that? And he pulls out his pea shooter. But it's just, <laughs> explain just before we get into that, like, cause I, I love how he's like, well, I got to use this to kill that. It's like, you no, no, you don't. But like the effect is so like the, the, there is a reverse shot of where you see the beings legs, like close to the camera and, and through the legs, you see her in the distance. So that's still to imply size, right? Like right. that makes sense. But when it cuts to how, when they show it, and like, you know, in all its glory, it is one of the worst effects I've seen in the Twilight Zone ever. And it is just and it's supposed to be played for like like real fear. Like, oh my God, there's a giant eyeball spaceman right here. What do we do? And it's just it it is it is garbage. I just it's so frustrating that the this is it was trying to go for like iconic E Y E iconic, I guess whatever um but it just it was it's like it's like if cbs was a monster staring down at him it's like this is where the eye comes from right no it was it was so bad it, so it, bad, it, it so looks bad. terrible but that plays well into what's about to transpire here so i guess yeah fair enough um okay. but point, um point it, to terry right, right so it, it it is it looks shitty um it's a bad effect um whatever but robert's still afraid Charlotte's definitely afraid and Robert knows, Hey, there's no way we can outrun this thing. If it, if it comes after us, we're dead. So he figures, all right, I got to do what I got to do. You make your way out of here. I'm going to start shooting with the, uh, with this little gun. He's like, this is like me trying to take down what, like, a, like a David, a Goliath thing. You know? yeah, yeah. Like, like oh yeah. I just, said, yeah. That's a perfect analogy. So yeah, it's but, a he has, very, but he has like a service revolver, which I mean, that could kill a person. Yeah, it's a thirty-eight. Wrong, or but whatever. it's like it's not heavy ordnance versus whatever this is supposed to be. Right. So he starts firing at it, gives it a few shots. Then all of a sudden, we start to hear wind. <laughs> wind start to pick up. Okay, all right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A couple more blasts, and he's he's emptied the revolver at this point. That's yeah. what it is. It's a revolver. He's emptied it. And then the wind picks up even further and yeah. it and it's building and building. And all of a sudden, like wind is like blowing them down to the ground. And it's so forceful that they can barely stand up. And it's like, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole mess. Yeah. And we hear a very interesting and memorable scream. Yeah. Like from the, Charlotte. Yeah. She sees the, 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 the wind and the big eyeball man. And she, uh, kid you got, kid you not guys. This is what we, what we hear. Like it's that much of that actual sound clip from um, the spur of the moment. They just put that into the episode. Yeah, they worked that in there. So we get these like weird wind noises and that and that scream. And it is it doesn't sound like Charlotte's voice at all. It just it's, no. it's so it's so ridiculous. And I told Paul while we were talking prior to the mics coming on. I thought he was messing with me. I thought he he somehow mixed this in and sent it to my computer. I don't know what because he knows all the computer stuff. I don't know yeah, anything yeah. about computers. No, we, we were delayed by two hours because I just didn't like move a, um, a knob correctly on a program. So yeah, I know all about computers. 
You yeah. know a lot more than I do. I thought oh. he was messing with me, but that's the exact sound. I, I wish if I had that type of technical capability to go in <laughs> and add a little bit of audio just to mess with you. And somehow you brought up your streaming service to watch this. And I, if I had that level of power, I would, I, I would be dangerous. But then also that feels like something I would do at that point. Yeah. Where it's like, you really went a long way just to screw with somebody. I'm like, yeah. But no, I am not. I, it wouldn't have been surprised me. It's surprising to me if you tr- somehow goosed me like that. I was like, dude, I don't put it past him. But you love that soundbite too. So. <laughs> well, no, because like I watched the episode the first time, I didn't think about it, you know. And then watching it again, taking notes because I, I was sitting here at my desk with my headphones on then, and I'm like, wait a second, is that the sound? And yeah. then, and then you and I before we started recording, I was like, did you hear that too? And you're like, yes. Yeah. So we watched it again, and it was like. It's, yeah, it's 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 pretty distinct, honestly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I had I, my headphones. Why can't this become? Why didn't this become the Wilhelm scream? Right. Like, you know, yeah. like that's just, just perfect. Like every time, like a cowboy falls to his death, you just hear. <laughs> that's it. You know how how great would that be? I'm I, sure listeners are tired of that sound, but uh, I'm not. I'm it's, sorry. It's hilarious. I can't, I can't help it. Like uh, it's so dumb. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so yeah, so we get that scream, and um, we get them kind of like being thrown around by the wind. And then all of a sudden we see this giant it's yeah. falling to its knees and it totally looks like a dude just kind of crumbling. Yeah. Well, again, when they do the reverse shot, they actually, ever they had the actor like slowly drop to the knees, which again, you get, you get the point across, but then we find out that this thing is just a balloon. Yeah. And I think the line is, she said like, it was like a reject from the Thanksgiving day parade or whatever. Um, something, like that. something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But I, but I love how she's like, it's a balloon. It's like, no shit. It's a balloon. You see the eyeball deflating <laughs> and everything. And I also love how, when they're crawling out from under it, it made me think of the parachute thing that we would play with as a kid where you'd everybody get under the parachute and then run out. Like, I'm like, Oh, look at that. They're having some fun with that alien thing. Whatever. Yeah, it's a, it was a big, um, like, I wish we could go back and recut this episode and make it like, um, like a big Bart Simpson or like, like Snoopy from like whatever the Macy's Day Parade. That would have been great. Like Spider-Man just coming over. <laughs> yeah. See, I, they're, they're pretty satisfied in the fact that it's a balloon. I don't know about you, but I would have been like doing the elbow drop on that thing. Like, yeah, that's right. Take that. You yeah. know, like I would have been yeah, pretty stabbing it in the eye. Like, like there you go. That's like, what yeah. I thought. Um, yeah. but you know. There's still these questions that haven't been answered yet. A balloon cannot flip a car back over onto its wheels. And they're both, again, pretty satisfied by the fact that this thing is dead. Well, that's, laying that's whenever the trooper goes like, oh, wait a second. No, there's something yeah, else going like, on. Yeah. Reality check. Um, and then they look over <laughs> into the clearing again. Uh, yeah. And uh, right there, right out in the opening or in the open, we have a little spaceship that is probably about four feet across laying on the ground. It's not dissimilar. If you go back and watch the invaders, it's about the same size as the ship is relative to Agnes Moorhead in that episode. And as soon as I saw that damn thing, I was like, Oh no. (laughs) Oh, you sons of bitches. I was like, you are revisiting a same storyline. Kinda. Kinda. And yeah, we see, we see our, our main characters looking in the little window 
of the UFO and you see two tiny figures in there and they're like, like saying, Hey, um, our, our ability to try to scare humans has failed. Um, using a large magnet to flip car and apply fingerprints and like, and, 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 and we they, dug and, out yeah, the footprint. Yeah. It's like, think, think about how long that would have taken them. Like that would have taken forever right. just for one, one gag. Re request to come back. Yeah. It's like the lollipop guild. They're just like, we gotta, we gotta, gotta scram and they're terrified. So they leave. And then I like I like the troopers like you know what he's like I'm kind of cheering for this guy he's like, he's like <laughs> and, then, and then she's like but what if like what if the next threat comes is like you know they're bigger and we're small and he's like well I just think you just like you know, spit mud in their eye and it's like are they about to go have sex in the cabin now I think they're about to go have sex now like that's what it felt like to me it was like ah, look at all that that was crazy you want to go back up to, to the cabin now you know yeah there yeah there was some definitely some looks there like. What's yeah. going to happen next? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was pissed. I was really pissed at seeing that little spaceship. I was like, stop right now. You stop it right now. Like, <laughs> You episode, you stop it. You know what you did. Rod, you stop it. Yeah. Don't don't you recycle this. And they did. And I was like, son of a bitch. I was like, I, so basically, like, I, I almost look at this as like either a prequel or a sequel to the invaders. Eh, I mean, so with the invaders, it's actually, we find out there that it... It's actually us. It's actually Earthlings that are going to this other planet of giants. Oh, okay, right? okay. Yeah. I've, and with this, it's like we're Earthlings and we don't know who they are, whatever. Um, this almost feels like it's it's a mix of that with the monsters are doing Maple Street because the aliens there are at a distance and messing and toying, with all the yeah. light. Well, they're all with the lights and the lawnmowers yeah. and whatever, and then making people like turn on each other. Uh, so, which that was a Sterling story. So, like the notion of like fear is useful in the sense of how you handle and how, you know, what you do. Like I, you know, it, that does kind of permeate this episode and you get through it because you, you eventually find out that there really was nothing to fear. It was this whole campaign from these aliens to try to intimidate, um, which in itself would be fine. But the way this episode goes around doing it is, is utterly horrible. Like it is, it's not intriguing. It's, it's not anything. And it's just, it's very frustrating. I was really frustrated. Yeah, the, especially the seeing that little ship, the <laughs> the the fingerprints, the balloon. Uh, if they would have left certain things to this ambiguous uh, like possibility, the giant footprint. Don't don't put the fingerprints on the car. Stop it. Nope. That's stupid. Um, the fingerprint or the uh, the footprint that would have been cool. Like this is afraid. Or, or, I'm afraid of this. What yeah. this is giant. And then again carry over in that ambiguity uh whatever yeah i'm not am, using the word ambiguity correctly. ambiguity yeah, yeah, there we go yeah. that's the right word yeah uh but no, like but the idea of like broken branches and lights and sounds and all that like and then if you would have had like you know even introducing like nothing's going on but they start turning each other because they maybe they can't get out of the house now or something like right. just that would be real like like just seeing how how little it would take for people to turn on each other and be irrationally afraid, I think. But again, that's that's been revisited. That, that like the monsters do on Maple Street that was used there. Um, like it, and then just like you know, just a simple push. Like uh, even like the shelter from season three, where that was like the you know the the moment there's the hint of a threat, people will just turn on each other. You know, and I maybe Rob was trying to say something else with this. I'm not sure. Um. But like this is, I, I guess I'm really, really, really frustrated because as much as I know 
we don't control the the release order of the series and we've been watching it sequentially knowing that this we'd get one more Sterling script before we're out the door i was like okay at least at least we got a shot this is garbage and yeah. i just like i am so frustrated because i know i i we know this this man can do better I also understand that he was at the end in terms of like his commitment to the show. And, and I know, I think I described the end of season three. Uh, he said that he felt like, a I was in a bag of uh, potatoes left out in the sun to rot at that point, just because of how exhausted he was. So I know we wouldn't always get his strongest efforts, but something better than this, you know, like this was, this feels like if this didn't have the twilight zone attached to it, no one would remember this episode. It'd be tossed aside with all like the other fifties, like sci-fi bullshit. And it's a bummer. I mean, I laughed a lot that, but like, just because it's ridiculous and that ugh, just, this breaks my heart. That's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, to say the least, um, I was just, I was super disappointed, especially this being the last episode for Rod. I was like, dude, come on, baby. Give it to us. Give us a good, yeah, give us a good the, ending. The first third of it's cool. The title's cool. And like, you know, you got the actors are doing perfectly fine in this. And it's like, yeah, you know, just, ugh. yeah. And, you know, we always talk about like what we would critique, you know, episodes that like they missed the, they missed the, you know, I, I guess, I guess they missed like the where everything should have gone with it because it did like just a little bit of tweaking and we could have had something so memorable. So, so captivating. And and I'm agree. I'm in agreement with you. Like that first half, I was like, dude, this is scary shit right now. Like something's going on here and we don't know what it is. Like it, we don't even know if it's aliens, whatever the lights could be nothing at all. It could be like this imaginary thing that she thought of like, you know, spacecraft, whatever. Um, but just monsters. I wanted to see monsters. I wanted yeah. to see something terrifying there. Yeah. And we didn't, we saw a ridiculous suit and we saw ridiculous fingerprints and an overly large, one single footprint, by the way, like wouldn't they have looked around and been like, well, where's the other one? Like, it just like, like, I don't know. It just, it's those questions of like, well, we know what direction it was heading, right? Can we find other footprints or how about we go the opposite way of the footprint? That seems like a good safe call too, because it's like, well, we know where it's not. That's maybe trajectory. You know? Like, wait, yeah. this is where the cabin was. Like, yeah. it, did it? It didn't step on the cabin. Where the hell did this come from? Yeah, that's what. Well, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse or or um, an inflated spaceman costume. It's just this is like it. It just it sucks. Like, I just it's a bummer. Um, you know just because it just ends up being a bunch of nothing. And, and I, and you, to your point, Terry, you said, well, maybe like, maybe the suit's supposed to look bad on purpose because we now know it's all fabrication. Correct. But still it's like you the, the viewer isn't supposed to know that until they reveal it, that it is a fabrication. So it should probably look really scary. Well, yeah. And, and, and I agree with that, but it's like the, the, the people are supposed to be enveloped by fear. So the fact that this is the final effort, of this little uh, ship, this, these little space people, I can imagine they are thinking, even if it looks like crap, they're going to be terrified by this and we're going to get the hell out of here as quickly as possible. But Robert being like a mega badass, he's like, 
I don't care. I'm going to start shooting at this thing because I, I know. And he's also being rational about this, too. That's yeah. that. That's the best part about this is like Robert's character or Robert as a character knows even if they take they take off, this thing's going to uh, chase them down quickly. Jack and the yeah, Beanstalk, you yeah, know? That, that's true. And then like his reference to like, I've been in, you know, two wars and he's like, I've been f- afraid plenty of times. It's like, you know, his, his, uh, fight or flight reflex is well honed at this point. Right. right. So, and then for her to come around too and realize that like, you know, she doesn't have to be living in terror every moment. Like, they, they, yeah, again, that all works on paper. It's just that it doesn't like, and again, their performances are fine. Just the episode kind of betrays, um, their arc and their efforts. And that's, that's frustrating. So. Yeah, um, I don't know. Do you have anything else? Uh, like, nah, no, man. Uh, what no. you? What do you have? As notes I have a little here? bit, a little bit of a comment from uh, Mr. Peter uh, Mark Richmond. Uh, here's a quote: um, I do not recall much about filming that episode. It only lasted a couple of days, and that was uh, forty or so years ago. I remember being uh, instructed to shoot in the air at a giant that wasn't there. Uh, to pretend a giant space being is looking down on you was not a challenge. <laughs> I just looked up and reacted naturally. I don't think I've ever heard a bad word about Rod Serling. Um, Hazel Court and I became good friends, uh, and we stayed in touch a number of times after the Twilight Zone. Um, he's like, I did a lot of television, but that was one I enjoyed very much. So a lot of actors do talk about having a good experience with the show, but I like how he's like, oh, I had to look up and be like scared of a spaceman and shoot out. He's like, that wasn't hard. I'm like, <laughs> fair enough. I, I hope they showed him like concept art and be like, oh, that is going to be really scary. It's like, yeah, just wait. And it's like, and then he's, if you watch the episode, I'm he's probably like, son of a bitch. Was that what I was shooting at? Like, just whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm more badass than that. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's a balloon. Anyway, so, yeah, I, that's going to do it for the fear. Like, I, um, yeah, not good. Not good. And that's, I just, you know, you just hoped. You hoped, you hoped, you hoped, right? So, and, do you, uh, I have a question for you yeah. uh, as we're wrapping this up, though. Do you feel like this falls on Ted Post at all? Um, no, because I mean, you can only direct what you're given. Right. So I think that he tried, like, I, I think he tried as much as he could at giving a little, like the, the beginning part with the way that they played the lights and sound worked, um, the way they, like they panned through the broken trees worked okay. And then getting the trooper up on the roof was effective. Um, but I think that if he knew he had to shoot a car with giant fingerprints on it, like the only thing I think is a fault is you should have um, either not shown the car moving or you heard something and then the car was on its side. Like just because that, the, 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 that was such low velocity that that was like, I'm already out my brain. This, this is stupid. I don't know what happened. You know, like if you would have like, if they even like at while after the sound, if he would have come out and his car would have been flipped, you know, like you could have, you could have worked around that and still got the notion of getting it on its side and then coming back the next day to see that it's now flipped back down and something's different about it. Um, so maybe that, that's something there. I don't know, but, and then, and he tried his best to probably make the spaceman give some validity with that, that reverse shot. Like I was talking about with the legs. I mean, I don't know how I would shoot the, if I had to stick to the script as presented and had to have these elements in it, I don't know what I would have done. Not that I'm a director, but I don't know how she do do that and actually give it more like legitimacy and actually instill fear. That's my thought. Fair, very fair. Um, and, uh, the, the one thing that I will say about this, uh, if you at all think that this is an interesting storyline, uh, something that I will give people that is a little bit more, uh, newer as far as horror cabin in the woods somebody probably saw this episode 
and it took that storyline and we're like, you know what? This could be interesting. So yeah, I that and um, there. I mean, even it's not a good movie, but the the Michael Crichton book uh, Sphere uh, deals a lot with like um, like project projections of fear and all that. Uh, so yeah, this whole this whole notion of like you could you could have. Especially with the note, like you had her have a nervous breakdown. Like, why was it stress from work? Was it something else? Why didn't we get like a manifestation of that for her to deal with? And then this guy went through two wars. And he said he was afraid a lot. Why didn't we get a manifestation of that? Like, you could. There was already a history for these characters of what what terrified them. Like, Event Horizon is a great example. Yeah, of that where it's like you you're getting your 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 biggest nightmare is like you know shoved in your face, and how do you react to that? You know, like, oh well. Go watch Event Horizon. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better project than than this. And there's a big a big eyeball looking thing there too that's cool looking. Uh, or read it. You know, yeah, there you go. It deals with yeah. fear in a very yeah. Yeah. visceral instead, way. Instead too. of watching a 25 minute episode, go read a, what a 5,000 page book. Yeah. You know, same amount of time. Audio book. You can do uh, <laughs> uh, 47 hours. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just whatever. completed it again. There you go. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, before, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. It's just the fear. It's just kind of the meh. It's, it wasn't the fear. It was the, eh, eh. it, it was the fear. That's what it was. It was the flub. The, the flub. That was, yeah. 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 Um, the, yeah. The jeer. Boo. All right. So, uh, yeah, as, as, uh, you know, what we got to do on the show here, we just got to, got to rate that twist. Uh, you know, one being like, oh, we saw this coming in five blowing our minds. Like I just from sake of storytelling, and I know this isn't the twist, but giant fingerprints did not see that coming. Giant boot print did not see that coming. I mean, I guess after the fingerprints, I guess I did. But just how stupid the alien would be. And it was a balloon. I didn't see any of that coming because it, it was none of it was earned. But I had to give that a five because if if I if. Going into this episode, I've been like, oh, by the way, there's an giant inflatable spaceman. I'm like, that sounds dumb. And I'm like, they won't do that for the Twilight Zone. Well, here we are. I'm going to go with a four. Okay. Because the fingerprints set something else up for me where I'm like, that looks so staged. Mm -hmm. Why? Which we end up finding out it was. But again, we as the viewer aren't supposed to think that. You right. know? Yeah. So. <laughs> but in terms of like, oh, it would turn out to be nothing at all and aliens again. That, that doesn't even, that, again, I can't fault if you're, um, it's the Twilight Zone, right? We're, we're now, what, 155 episodes in. You're going to find some similar things. I, I get that completely. And I'm not upset at, at some of those, like some of those genre tropes, right? But it's like, again, he talked, like Sterling talked about like, um, this meal of fear that they're eating. And it's like, it's like, yeah, well, you used all, you looks like you used all ingredients that were well past their sell by date. You know, like, man, it's, yeah, I'd be afraid to eat that sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, it's, it's slimy meat. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, is, is it supposed to, is it supposed to be gray? I don't know. Anyway, it's like, is this freshly sliced eyeball? No. Anyway, so yeah, that, that's going to do it for our discussion about the fear. Uh, before we talk about what we're doing next, uh, you guys can find us on uh, Facebook at Strange Highways. Uh, you guys can email us directly at uh, strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. We're getting a lot of suggestions coming in uh, for things to do. Uh, it was brought to our attention that we should cover the 50s incredibly shrinking, the incredible shrinking man. Um, I think we're going to do that. Oh, it's an incredible yeah. movie, man. I love the. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen it. 
but oh, I but I know it's I know it's Matheson and I know yeah and I'm I'm sure there's better effects in that than than oh know, than dude, this, dude you know. it's it's awesome um and thank you Carol for suggesting it I think we are going to cover that soon not sure when but yeah. because we have a, a full plate here coming up. Uh, we got we got to wrap this season up, and then we got one more episode. Um, but uh, yeah, before that, you know, like, thank you guys for reaching out to us. Um, please check out our Instagram. We're on there. We're posting things. It's a little, it's a little wonky sometimes, and <laughs> how when when we post things, life is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, again, thank you guys. Um, rate and review us, like Paul says all the time. Please give us something. Give us some love. Give us a. We actually we, just yeah, recently. We did, yeah, we did get one yeah. actually. I, um, I'll find it here. Um, and I, I'm like, they're talking about us. It, I think uh, they like, are. heck yeah, love all this stuff. Uh, love that you guys are listening. Uh, like that you guys are, you know, like still following us. Like, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we got we got a five star rating here uh, from from Mike. Uh, this is back in, in June, so thank you, Mike. Uh, he says, uh, great. He's like, I hardly ever blindly find a good podcast with no previous recommendations anymore, but I was looking for a decent Twilight Zone podcast, and this one has a great presentation with hosts that are the perfect level of knowledgeable but still sound like actual human beings at the same time. A rarity in podcasting these days. Well, thank you, Mike. And that um, review was brought to you by Blue Apron. I'm kidding. That's not really true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't take yeah, those spots. Yeah. Get out of here yeah, with yeah, that yeah, crap. Yeah. But yeah, uh, like, yeah, that was on um, Apple Podcasts. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, wherever you guys find your podcast, rate and review us. And also spread the love, spread the word. Uh, the more the merrier. Uh, we love watching the stuff, having discussions, even even the garbage episodes. It's still a great conversation. And, you know. I think this is a ride that if you're going to take, then just, you gotta, you gotta eat, you know, you gotta eat the crappy vegetables before you get to dessert, you know, like that's gotta, you you know, whatever you gotta eat your um, Brussels sprouts before you get to the dessert. I I don't know. Maybe like Brussels sprouts. I do not. not They're gross. I've I've had them multiple ways. Asparagus too. That's the shit sucks too. I I like, I like asparagus. (laughs) I come around on it. Um, Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's just, (laughs) Welcome to Strange uh, Vegetable Talk here. That's Ch- no. Challenge us if you like asparagus, if you like this episode. Yeah, yeah, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, no, I just I like how like we were so over this episode, we're now talking about vegetables. That tells you a lot. Um so <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so next episode, um, and this is a little bittersweet, uh, is it is season five finale. It is the series finale. It's an episode called The Bewitching Pool. Um, I've been Again, it's bittersweet because we know it's the last one, but we also know it is a, um, it's a Hamner episode. Uh, yeah. So let, let Rod tease the very last episode of the Twilight Zone. And now, Mr. Serling. Next time on the Twilight Zone, the bewitching pool. Some children find imaginary playmates when their travail becomes too much to bear. Others retire to bedrooms. But the children on next week's Twilight Zone find escape in a much more unusual fashion. They disappear in a swimming pool. This one is well worth the watching. Mary Badham stars in Earl Hamner's The Bewitching Pool. I don't know. When kids disappear in a pool, like, usually that's a sad story on the news. Like, it's always like, oh, so and so went in the pool, and then, like, the firefighters are called hours later or whatever. This could well, be a, this could be interesting. If you've ever seen the movie House, uh, the child disappears in a pool in that movie. So and that's oh. a that's a great movie. There we go. Yeah. So maybe 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 we'll find out, right? So fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Please don't let I, this be a bad episode. Yeah, it, it ha- I mean, I, uh, it's Hamner. I want to say it has to be better than this one, right? But 
we'll find out. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I'm always like looking forward to it. Never seen it before. Uh, never seen it before. This is the last, last, last episode of the original series. So I can no, I can no longer say after next week that oh, I've never seen that one. So that's also kind of bittersweet. But I hope you guys join us for that. Um, we have more planned after that, obviously. But yeah, this has been like five years in the making. So. Um, the bewitching pool and it will be the end, uh, end of the series. And so in the meantime, have a good week, have a safe week. I, I always say have a safe week. It's just the last two years, people, please be safe, be, be smart, you know, be respectful, you know, get, get your vaccinations yes, if you have not, yes. because it's, it's getting crazy out there. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we don't want you to, I don't know, end up in a cabin by yourself being chased by inflatable spacemen. I don't know what that means, but yeah, like I said, have a good week. And also, um, I, I, be afraid of real things, not shitty balloons. That's what I got. And say your prayer for our next episode. You can clench your fist, but if you want me, I'll be under the bed.